Good morning and welcome. Uh, gonna have to uh, There we go. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back from vacation, and I want to thank all of those who helped with the service and all in my absence last week. And uh, I hear it went well. And say thank you very much for giving me that time away. Um, this morning, I do have one announcement, and that is that we will be having a funeral service at last for Jack Richardson. It will take place this coming Saturday, which is the 10th, at 3 p.m. at the church. Attendance is limited to 35, and I know the family have quite a few coming, but if you are wanting to come in person, uh, call and the church and let me know so we can find out if there's room available. And I will do all I can to stream it on Zoom so that you can participate that way also. So we'll get that information out to you. But um, I think for now, that's the extent of our announcements. Um, so I invite you to become centered and present in this time. This is your holy moment. Wherever you are is holy ground. You are God's temple. Take a deep breath. Let it out, just release whatever it is that maybe is dragging you down this morning and repeat after me, I am here. We are here, God is here. Let us begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I hereby declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Beloved God, from you, from you come all things that are good. Lead us by the inspiration of your Spirit to know those things that are right, and by your merciful guidance, help us to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Beth, are you our lector? It seems like Beth's video has frozen. So, okay. Do you want me to read, Pastor? Sure. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh -huh. A reading from Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I tell you what I, I will do it to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be devoured. I will break down this wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It will not be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the, to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went away to another country. When the harvest had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, 
what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Jesus is teaching again in the Jerusalem temple. It's the week of Passover. He is being confronted once again by the chief priests and the Pharisees who would like to see him dead and have been plotting his demise for some time. He asks them a hypothetical question in the form of a parable about a vineyard and an owner who cannot collect from his tenants. We might frame the same story a little differently. Imagine you are an investor who establishes a business and you have paid to do all the market research and you have bought the land and you have built the factory. You have installed all the best technology, the robotics, the computer systems, the finest engineering. You have set up the best security system possible. You have hired a team of managing partners to run the plant and these managing partners are also investors. You've negotiated a split. You'll get 30% of the profit. They retain the other 70%. At the end of the year report, you learn that production exceeds goals. Profits are fabulous. You send a team of maybe three associates to go to the plant, tour the facilities, make assessments, and collect your 30%. Only something goes really horribly wrong. And when your team arrives during their visit, these investor managers attack the people that you've sent. One of them is badly beaten. The other one escapes with injuries to tell you about it. And the third one is killed. Now, this is where the story gets really weird. Because Jesus goes on. Jesus says, well, now you send another team, larger than the first team, to tour the plant, make the assessments, and collect your 30%. I don't know about you, but um, I want to say to Jesus, whoa, hold the story right there. <laughs> I've just had my people attacked, and you think I'm sending in more, and you think I'm sending them unarmed, and like nothing has happened? 
But Jesus just goes on with the story. The owner sends another group bigger than the first, he says, and the same thing happens. The manager investors attack this group too, killing, beating, and stoning them and not paying the 30%. So this is the part where we would surely say, right? Okay, it's time to send for armament. It's time to call in the police. It's time to go in guns blazing and kill everybody left standing, right? Among these manager investors. But no, Jesus says, no, now the owner sends his or her son to the plant to collect the 30%, which sounds too reckless and stupid to be believed, right? When Luke and Mark recount this exact same story, which is, I mean, they're very close in the way they tell it, they add the detail that Matthew leaves out. They say, not only is this the owner's son, but it's the owner's only son and beloved son the owner is thinking, well, surely the son will be respected and treated properly. Now, I'm not sure why um, the owner would think that the people who had built, uh, beat and killed the other emissaries would suddenly become good folks who would honor and respect the son. But anyway, this is Jesus' story and he says the owner sends the son. And the managers who show their stupidity here decide that they are going to kill the son because the son is the heir. And in their reckoning, if they kill the heir, they'll suddenly be able to take possession of the factory and it'll be theirs, which makes no sense because they'd have to kill the owner of the factory too. But whatever. They seize the son, they kidnap the son, they drag him out of town and dump his body somewhere. Now Jesus says the owner comes himself. What will he do to those manager investors? And the question is posed to the chief priests and the Pharisees who are the ones who run the temple of God in Jerusalem. And these chief priests and these Pharisees give what seems to be a very reasonable answer. They say, well, he will put those wretches to a very bad death. I mean, it implies you know, like a slow, painful death and bring in other managing partners who will pay the 30%. And then of course, the chief priests and the Pharisees realize that Jesus has been talking about them, that somehow they are these managing partners, these vineyard tenants in the story. Jesus has talked about a vineyard, which clues them in even more because every time in scripture, God talks about my vineyard, God is talking about the people of Israel and the vineyard tenants and managers are the priests and those who run the temple or who represent the Israelites. So we've got the fact that they now realize they're those managers of the plant and that God is the owner and that they've been plotting to kill the son, Jesus, who is claiming, claiming to be God's son. 
and they have just acted as their own jury and they have given the verdict against themselves guilty and they have even pronounced the punishment a slow agonizing bad death then jesus says you know don't you remember how it is said that the stone that the builders rejected becomes the chief cornerstone god's temple has been corrupted this has been jesus criticism of the religious authorities for some time and it's why they'd like to see him dead it's been corrupted by the priests and the scribes and the pharisees who have been guilty of extortion of the poor they have engaged in graft embezzled the tithes and offerings that the people have given to god they have neglected the poor they have failed in the business of justice. They have made God's temple into a racket. They're not showing mercy or love, which is, of course, what we owe to God. It's our responsibility as God's people, as the, as the, as the managing partners that God has made us in God's kingdom, as co-creators of this new reality that God is constantly calling into being. We have been entrusted with and authorized with great authority, but also great responsibility to truly make the church an embodiment of God's vision in the world, a place of love where we share, where no one is valued more than another because of their status or their upbringing or their education or their money where people are filled and reconciled and loved into wholeness and encouraged and given room to use their gifts and their abilities for the greater good. They're all things that we are called to do. And Jesus seems to be giving us a little bit of a wake-up call along with maybe the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests. Maybe it's a chance for us to stop and say, are we being good managers and tenants? Are we giving to God what God expects from us as God's people? And if not, what do we need to do? What do we need to adjust so that we are being faithful servants? The good news in this is that we can't lose our salvation. And in the story, they pronounce their own judgment and say, well, you know, guilty and worthy of a slow and painful and agonizing death. But the story doesn't actually end with judgment because the story doesn't really end with the parable. The story goes on. Jesus, the only beloved son of God, dies on a cross with words of forgiveness on his lips. Forgiveness for all love poured out for all and then god raises jesus so that the stone that we rejected does become the chief cornerstone the head of the church the living christ the one who then becomes the chief overall of the jews and the gentiles who 
alike become followers of Jesus. What actually happens is that beyond the violence, there is redemption and reconciliation and resurrection and forgiveness and new life and love. The kingdom of heaven operates on a very different basis than the kingdoms of the world. It operates on the business of God's grace, of God's unconditional love, of God's unfailing mercy. If we doubt God's patience with us, we only have to look at the crazy vineyard owner, the factory owner, who keeps on trying, who keeps on sending messengers, who even sends the beloved son, hoping that this time we'll get it right. Jesus follows the tradition from the Torah that says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19.18. He doesn't shrink from sacrifice on the cross. He doesn't return with a vengeance. He doesn't kick anybody out of the kingdom. He doesn't demand that our death, instead the resurrected Jesus having taken the worst that violence can inflict, comes back and instructs us to take the good news of the gospel of God's love to the very ends of the earth, promising to be with us always. Peace I give you, he says, my peace I leave with you, and I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. and Do not let them be afraid. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the kingdom, and they will be called children of God. He tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, to live in harmony with one another, to not be proud or haughty, associate with the lowly, not to claim to be wiser than we are, but instead be humble in all our beliefs, to not repay anyone evil for evil, but instead to take thought for that, for which would, would take thought of that which is noble in God's sight and in the sight of all. He says, if it is possible, so much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And remember, I am with you always to the age of the earth.
Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
with confidence in God's grace and mercy. Let us play, pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. Holy God, you call us to work for peace and justice in your vineyard. Refresh the church with your life that we may bear fruit through work and service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the abundant harvest of the earth. Bless and care for those whose hands bring the fruits of the earth to the tables of all who hunger. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Curb the impulses of greed and pride that lead us to take advantage of others. Grant that world leaders seek the fruits of the kingdom for the good and welfare of all people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sustain all who suffer with the promise of new life. Assured of your presence, heal our pain and suffering, and equip us to embrace all bodies aching for wholeness of mind, body, and soul. Those we name before you now, Norma Evanson, Sophia Mend, Phyllis Graff, Bob Harms, Gordon Henke, Roberta Jones, Daryl Kaufman, Linda Lunston, Nathan Roney, Linda Schrader, Sonia Stroh, Donna Pinot, the family of Pastor Earl Meisner, and we pray for Donald and Melania Trump and all who are fighting and trying to recover from COVID. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all managers in our community and all those who seek employment. Give hope and a future to those who lack meaningful work, those who have been marginalized or abused in the workplace, and those who desire new opportunities. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Thank you for the saints who teach us to live faithfully in your vineyard. May our course join theirs until our labor is complete. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Listen as we call on you, O God, and enfold in your loving arms all for whom we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all. And also, also with you. At this time, we collect our offerings. And um, so thank you so much for your faithfulness and mailing those in, dropping them by the church and giving online. Uh, we do offer ways to give electronically, and you can go to our website at www.lcrpv, which stands for Lutheran Church Resurrection Prairie Village .org. Go to the Live Generously tab, and uh, again, thank you to all of you who've been, been faithful in your offerings during this time. We have been able to reach out with some help to those around us. We've gone ahead and taken some money from our Saturday's Miracle Breakfast funds, which um, we have plenty right now. And since we haven't been able to hold the breakfast since March, uh, we haven't had those expenditures. So we've decided to direct $500 of that money to help with, um, there'll be grocery cards given to families of John Deemer Elementary School that are identified by the school counselor and the counselor will take the cards that we 
buy and give those out to those families so they can buy whatever they want in terms of food for Thanksgiving meals or just to sustain them uh, for, you know, days to come. So that'll be taking place in, in uh, November. We've already got the money together. And then we are gonna be doing two drives to try to help others. So one will be uh, a collection of hats and gloves. And if you like to crochet or knit, we encourage you to make those if you want, but otherwise feel free to just buy some, which is probably what I'll resort to doing. It turns out that the, um, the people who attend the gathering table, which is an ELCA Mission Start congregation in Kansas City, Missouri, and it's in the inner city and serves uh, almost exclusively a homeless, truly homeless population, um, sees a tremendous demand and need for um, cold weather apparel. So they will be giving out coats and whatnot, but um, Pastor Ann Runquist tells me that they never have enough gloves. And of course, people who are, you know, who are living outdoors, it's easy for them to lose these items. And so there's just always a need for gloves and hats, especially scarves too. So we're doing an in gathering right now for those just beginning immediately. And then also we are going to be collecting for uh, the Metropolitan Lutheran Ministries Christmas Store Program. Metro Lutheran Ministries is a joint ministry run by the Missouri Senate and the ELCA congregations in the metro area. We were part of the founders of that program and have over the years uh, been strong supporters of MLM. One thing that they do, they are, a, um, MLM is a case management based uh, agency serving broad needs of the poor in our metro area. So they provide life skills, classes, uh, help with childcare, rental assistance, uh, help with job searches and job placement, um, uh, you know, fixing people's homes, helping to make those homes handicap accessible if need be, clothing, food pantry, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's very multifaceted ministry. And one thing they do for their clientele is every year in early December, there is a Christmas store that takes place where thing, merchandise, which is brand new, so it's not used items, but everything must be new, brand new. Um, all the co these congregations collect these items, they go to the store, which is set up, and then the clients of LLM are allowed to go through and shop for Christmas presents for their family members um, in the same way that we have the pleasure and the joy of being able to shop for ours too. So it's a wonderful thing. They need appliances and we will have a list in the newsletter of other items. When I say appliances, you know, toaster ovens and crock pots and things are always popular, but they have some specific uh, requests this year in particular for the store. So watch for that in your newsletter. And again, thank you for all you do. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. You have set us before you have set before us these gifts of your good creation. Prepare us for your heavenly banquet. Nourish us with rich food and drink, and send us forth to set tables in the midst of a suffering world. Through the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. So we lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord.
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give right our thanks Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and help us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Whether we are brimming with faith, resting comfortably in a moderate pool of faith, clinging to that tiny speck of faith or living with no sense of faith at all, Christ invites us, all of us, to a place of honor at this table of life and forgiveness. Welcome to the feast. Thanks be to God. And now if you would take your bread, this is the body of Christ given for you. Amen. I'm taking the cup. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. And now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Let us pray. God of the welcome table, in this meal we have feasted on your goodness and have been united by your presence among us. Empower us to go forth sustained by these gifts so that we may share your neighborly love with all. Through Jesus Christ, the giver of abundant life. Amen. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and fill you with peace. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn is Praise to the Lord the Almighty. And I think... I, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm getting there. 
All right, hit it, John. Let's go in peace. May God practice community, serve Christ, and live generously. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this morning. We feel so blessed uh, to have your presence. You make a difference just by being here. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. Um, we're going to end our recording now and open it up for a time of fellowship. We'll see you again next Sunday, I hope. Pastor, I might have missed it in an 